Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And indeed, you have joined Calvary Live. I want to welcome you to today's edition of the program. I'm blessed to be with you this afternoon. My name is Jeff Figgs of Calvary Chapel Greeley, and I'm here this afternoon to take your questions and your prayer requests. And as you just heard, the call-in number to be on the show is 303-690-3000. So I want to invite you right now to call in to Calvary Live. You can ask your questions about Christian living, or maybe your Bible reading has brought up a question, or uh, just uh, what should it be our Christian worldview concerning the things that we see going on around us. So call in at 303-690-3000. Love to talk to you, encourage you, take you to the Word of God. And we need the Word of God more than ever today. And so what a privilege it is for us to be on the air here on Grace FM with our radio program. You just, for you on Grace FM, just listen to Under the Fig Tree, our radio program. is. Uh, we're going through the book of Romans. What a tremendous study that is. And then also as we get to uh, minister to you on Calvary Live, and you get to call in and ask questions. So be sure to do that. Love to hear from you. I want to welcome all the Grace FM listeners that are listening live. Uh, I am looking out my window right now up here in Greeley and seeing a bad thunderstorm. I guess they got some large hail up north of Greeley here. So those of you in the listening area that uh, are in those areas of the storm, please be careful and drive safely. Uh, we want you to be safe. Also, we want to welcome all you who are listening on Hope and Truth FM on the East Coast. I know that uh, those of you who are listening on your radio programs, uh, that you're a week delayed, but some of you are listening online, perhaps, and we want to pray for you as you got a tropical storm coming up your way. And so uh, just be careful and be safe. And uh, those of you driving in uh, as much of the listening areas in a uh, severe thunderstorm watch, just be careful. And as you text in, which is another means for you to be able to ask a question or to give a prayer request, and that number is 720-336-0897, 720-336-0897. Please be careful. Make sure you're safe. And uh, we'll be looking at those text questions. I want to remind you very quickly that that text line, and is for texting only, is open 24-7 for you to text in a prayer request anytime. And the pastoral staff at Calvary Church here in Aurora will be looking at that and getting back with you, and then you'll have a team of prayer warriors that will be praying for you. I think it's very wonderful, and you can text in 720-336-0897. But during this hour at Calvary Live, we will take those questions and those prayer requests as time permits. So give me a call, and I'd love to talk to you, and we're going to get to the phone lines in just a minute. I want to welcome all the online listeners that are listening all across the country as well, throughout the Midwest and on the West Coast. Welcome. And also we got those who are listening to the Grace FM uh, website in different parts of the world, New Zealand, 
South Africa and Ukraine. Welcome. Welcome you on the other side of the world. Technology connects us. So glad that you can join us. And uh, what a blessing it is to have you. So we got a couple open lines. Grab one of those open lines early. And let's go ahead. Let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to Pat and Greeley. Hi, Pat. Hey, hi, Pastor Jeff. How are you doing today? Good. How have you been this summer? Uh, it's been an uh, interesting summer, for, to say the least. <laughs> Pastor, I think for I all of us, for right? You. Go ahead. Um, I, I, I work with someone uh, and tutoring them and stuff, and they ask the question. They text me, so... Uh, I'm supposing it was meant in this fashion. The question she texted me was, Pat, are spirits real, both bad and good? Now, I don't think she's speaking of angel spirits or the Holy Spirit or or satanic spirits. I think she's talking about if when a human dies, can they come back as a spirit? What's your take on that? Well, and I think, you know, one of the things, Pat, is your student asked that. Probably if I got that text, I would have sent back and said, why are you asking? Because there is a lot of people, even some Christians, that dabble in the occult. And they dabble into psychics. They dabble into, um, you know, occultic practices that uh, talk to the dead, bring the spirits back, seances, things like that. And that is more popular today than ever before. Matter of fact, um, I think the psychic hotline during this COVID uh, pandemic has had a booming business. Um, People calling in wanting to know what the future is, but people also want to know, you know, is my uh, relative that I love that uh, passed away, can they come back? Can I communicate to them? And there's no evidence in the scripture of that. Matter of fact, the way to minister to this student of yours is to take him to Luke chapter 16. And in Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells of a story. I don't believe it's a parable. I believe it's actually a story because he names one of the individuals that he talks about, Lazarus. And in parables, he doesn't name names. But here he says there was this man named Lazarus and uh, uh, and this rich man. He doesn't say who the rich man was. Uh, but in you know, that parable of Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus goes to paradise, or that is to Abraham's bosom. The rich man dies, and he goes to that place of torment. He goes to that place of the unrighteous dead. And the rich man sees Abraham and Lazarus across the chasm there, and he says that, hey, can you dip your finger, send Lazarus over here to touch my tongue because I'm in torment? You know, put some cool water on my tongue. Abraham says, no, can't do that. We can't cross. Besides, there's this great gulf that's between us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, would you send him to my father's house? I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said, no, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. So it is, you know, Abraham that said, no, they're not going to go back. So there's no evidence of it. You can go back, though, to the Old Testament story of Saul, who went to the, you know, see the uh, uh, the witch, the uh, medium there, and it was Samuel that came back. Was it truly Samuel? That's a debate for another time. 
to answer. So that seems to be an exception, perhaps, if it truly was Samuel. But what we get from this this story in Luke chapter 16 is that, um, no, they're not going to go back. Spirits don't come back. Um, and um, I would take her to that story. And I would, would tell her that eternity is real. And, um, you know, they'd be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord for a Christian. But there is also, you know, you can talk about eternity and and all those things um, that she may be interested in. Because I think people ask those questions because they wonder, is there more to this life than what we see here? Is there really a heaven? Is there really a hell? Is there really an afterlife? And I think maybe that is what they're they're really wondering about and questioning about. So you might want to, you know, poke at that a little bit. Yeah, I kind of agree with what what you're saying. I I don't see any mention except and and it's funny you mentioned the story of Solomon Samuel. That was one through me because I I was aware of that story. So I did, that's how come I call because I didn't know how to quite answer it. Do, do they come back? But that is an exception there. And uh, as far as uh, spirits come back, I'm very familiar with uh, that uh, story in Luke with Lazarus. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the human's camp, but angels are sometimes considered spirits uh, and demons, correct? Right. They're, 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 they're spirits. And, and here's the thing. I think behind, because people can watch, and again, it's growing more, more popular, they can watch that guy that does channeling, you know, channels in a spirit and begins to speak. That that psychic that begins to to say, hey, I'm hearing from your relative, and this is what they're asking. I think there's demonic spirits behind all that. And, you know, it's interesting too, Pat, because I've even talked to those who are involved in, occult, uh, in not just occultic practices, but in cults that um, kind of get into, you know, my aunt, you know, came back and, and spoke to me or, or saw a vision. And I think that the enemy, who is an angel of light and a great deceiver, can do that. Uh, so uh, we need to make sure that what the Scripture says, and, and that is it's appointed once for man to die, then the judgment. According to Luke, what I see here in chapter 16, that there is no passing. And, um, and so, you know, especially... When you think about it, you know, when I go home to be with the Lord, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord as a believer, I don't want to come back here. I'm staying in heaven, and <laughs> there's no way I'm coming back here. And uh, so I just don't see any evidence of it. What's that, Pat? Well, well, I agree with you on that. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who wants Once to come I'm back? There, here? I, I'm, I'm there, man. I don't want to go nowhere. <laughs> And you know the the other thing too that's popular with those with Eastern mysticism and Eastern uh, beliefs is reincarnation, and uh, they they try to back it up with the Bible. When Jesus asked the disciples, "Who do men say that I am?" and they said, "Some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah." That see, that's a proof of of reincarnation, and and that's not what they were saying. Um, reincarnation is something that uh, also I, I've heard Christians uh, that say, well, I'm a Christian, and I'm also a Buddhist or a Hindu, and kind of dabble in all those things. We want to make sure that it's clear what the Bible says and what the Bible doesn't say. And the Bible does not endorse reincarnation 
at all. I think reincarnation is a terrible, terrible thing to even desire to believe in because who would want to come back here? I know I don't. Exactly. No, that's that's a great point. And you know something, Pastor? I never looked at it like that. Uh, how somebody could misinterpret that when uh, they said that to Jesus because it almost sounds like reincarnation. So that's a very interesting point. And I've read that passage a hundred times and that never crossed my mind. So that that's an interesting take on it. Yeah, it is. Thanks, Pat. Anything else I can do for you? No, you, you as always, you're great, with, uh, and so is the whole show. So thank you so much, thank you. and you have a blessed day, Pastor. You too. Thanks for calling, and appreciate it, Pat. We want to give people the Word of God. People are wondering about these things. People are wondering about, you know, is there really an afterlife? Is there... You know, all these questions, is there really a heaven? Uh, is there a, a hell? Is there, you know, um, can we come back? All these things. And we want to make sure that we give them the message of hope. And that is that um, we go to heaven, those of us who are believers, who are forgiven by Jesus Christ. Hey, we got an open line, 303-690-3000. You're listening to Calvary Live uh, with Pastor Jeff Figgs here to take your questions and your prayer request, the text line is 720-336-0897. Don't forget to text in your question or your prayer request, and we want to minister to you uh, in that way as well. Let's go to Denver, where Brent has been waiting. Hi, Hi Brent. Jeff. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fine, as fine as can be at this time. Uh, Good. The reason Good. why I called is uh, I want prayer. But okay. you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of us Christians that we know we haven't lived our life right. Mm-hmm. And um, Satan keeps attacking me about about my salvation. I've heard that if you are worried about committing the unpardonable sin, then you haven't committed it. Right. And. I think the Lord has used this pandemic as a as a calling call to bring us back. And right, I just want to make sure I'm not a terror. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that during this pandemic as well is I the Lord has allowed it for what exact purposes. Uh, I do know that he desires for us to turn to him, to call out to him. Uh, I know that he's shown me a lot of things during this time, continues to do so, how much I depend on him, uh, how much I, I need him. And so he's doing that work in all of us. And one of the things for you is to remember, too, that where God is working, Satan is working also. And one of the things that Satan has done is is isolated people. That's one of his tactics, to bring doubt in people, um, to confuse people. He's the accuser of the brethren who accuses us day and night, Revelation chapter 12 says. So he's always constantly whispering in our ears um, that, you know, you're no good, you're not saved, God doesn't love you. And, and people begin to wrestle with that. Am I really saved? Particularly when... They are wrestling with, you know, issues or um, they know that they're not what they could be, what they should be, perhaps. 
Uh, Satan begins to say, you're a spiritual waste. God doesn't love you. He's not going to forgive you. He's disappointed in you. I think that a lot of us have gone through a season of that, or perhaps there are those listening right now that are uh, feeling that as well. And we need to remember that the Lord loves us so much, and we belong to him. And as you come and as you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose again, you know, and you're my Lord, you're my Savior, it doesn't mean that we're going to automatically be perfected. That is, that we're not going to sin again. We are going to sin. We are going to struggle. And the promise of First John is that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He does want us to pursue holiness. He does want us to pursue, you know, righteousness. He desires to conform us into his image. But what happens along the way is I think that Christians can feel that, you know, I failed today and, you know, God must be so disappointed with me. And then that fellowship, that intimacy gets broken because the enemy comes along and say, you can't pray. You can't go to church. You can't come back to the Father. And the Father is waiting for any of us who desire to repent and confess and come to him to call out to him that are his. And he desires to receive us and to help us. That heart that really desires to draw close to him and desires, Lord, help me. I'm struggling with this. Lord, help me. I I know that, that I failed. I sinned. That he hears and he desires to do that work and that help in us, but don't ever feel like that you're worthless or you're not valuable to the Lord, or I got to always question my salvation uh, because of performance. You can be secure in your salvation because of faith and your position in Christ and, and to continue to draw close to him, renew your mind with the word of God and to know that he loves you and he always will love you what I was doing for years is um, the old, you know, like you're on the phone uh, in the kitchen and all of a sudden someone knocks at the front door and you set the phone down on the counter. Well, I actually hung the phone up um, for years. And now I'm at a point where now I set the phone on the counter and I come back to the phone. Okay. Yeah. You come back to him and, and that's true. And here's the thing that, you know, it's like I've used this illustration before. Like if I talk to my mom on the phone, if I do hang up that phone, I, I, I still have relationship with her. I still am her son. But the fellowship, the talking with her, the intimacy has been broken. So what sin does is it, it just kind of breaks that intimacy and we can still go to him and come to him. Um, but, you know, there's a difference between the relationship and then the fellowship and intimacy, and that's what he desires with you, is to just draw close to him and to sit at his feet and to know him and to walk with him, to enjoy him. And I think that, Brent, a lot of Christians struggle and they wonder because they don't realize the compassion of our Lord. Um, the the mercy of our Lord. I, I was just reading Psalm uh, 86, that the prayer of David was, Teach me your ways, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth, and unite my heart to fear your name, 
and I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all of my heart, and I will glory your name forever. For great is your mercy towards me, and you are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant uh, in mercy and truth. He's so compassionate, and he loves us. He knows what we're but dust. And the thing is, he doesn't break a bruised reed, and he doesn't quench a smoking flax. And in those times that we're just smoldering and we're bruised and we're weak, he still receives us and he desires for us to come to him. I think what the big thing that changed my life recently was I had listened to a famous teacher, a man that's been preaching the the Bible for probably 50 years, um, had a teaching on saved or self-deceived. And when I listened to that, it really got my attention because I think for a long time, I had believed in this other gospel of, you know, where, where sin abound and grace that's much more abound so you can be comfortable in your sin. And I really got the message, and I, I really have repented. Yeah, and and that's an important part of the message of the gospel is repentance, that we need to repent and come to the Lord. You know, Paul said when he talked about the doctrine of, after he gives the doctrine of, of justification, he then begins to talk about the doctrine of sanctification in the book of Romans. And he begins that section in chapter 6 by saying, should we continue in sin that grace abounds? He said, no. But I love the way that Paul in you know puts it. He says, we're dead to that stuff. You're a born-again believer. Why would you want, even want to continue in sin? We, we reckon to, that, to identify with Christ, you know, and we reckon our bodies over to instruments of righteousness. You know, we live in that grace, and living in that grace means that I get to live for you and living in love for him. Because you see, what happens is a lot of Christians can base their their belief on performance. And I fall short, and I failed this week, and I didn't read my Bible, or I sinned in this area. We need to base our faith, you know, our, our relationship with the Lord on our faith in the Lord. And as we have faith in him, to understand that I'm a new creature in Christ, and to understand that that grace means that I get to live for you, Lord. I don't live for the world anymore. I've been brought out of the darkness into his marvelous light. So why would I want to go back to the darkness? So it's understanding really what grace is about, that I get to live for you, Lord. I get to love you, and I get to walk with you. And, um, and that's so wonderful. And Paul said that you can sum up the love in one word, and that is uh, love. That if you love him, then you're going to want to live for him. It's not that I got to live for him, but I get to live for him. It's not that I have to do this, but I get to do this. See, there's a big difference, isn't there? And I get to live for the Lord because he's so good and he saved me. And I love my Lord, and I don't want to do anything to hurt him. I want to live for him. But when we do fail, that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Well, so I hopefully that's in- victory. Yeah, I've had some victory in, in, in this sin area, and, um, you know, it, um, I've, I've just had some good victory, and, and I'm just trying to stay in the Word every day, listen to the program every day, um, you know, just— I'm trying to, you know, when I'm home um, and when I'm not working, I'm totally into the Word and, and enjoy it. And now, just for a second, go on, maybe see what's happening, catch up on, on news, and then get right back 
to the Word and get out of the uh, television. So yeah. that's where I'm at. And to pray for me. I'm, I just am like everybody else, fearful. Yep. Let's pray. Father, I pray for Brand as he's growing in your word, has the desire for your word, and you're working in his life. He's talking and about breakthroughs and living for you, and he's choosing to take the word of God and planting it in his heart. And Lord, but there is uncertainty at times. There's fear at times. And, and the word of God is we don't have to fear, Lord, because you are so wonderful. You're so gracious. And Lord, I just pray that Brent would just perceive your presence, grow in your love, that you give him just calmness, give him courage, give him wisdom, and Lord, even as the command is given, be strong and of good courage, that you would do that work in him, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks, Thank you, Brent, John. appreciate it. You, you bet, you have a great day. Hey, 303-690-3000, and... We're going to continue with the phone lines, and I know some of you are waiting. We're going to get to you. Uh, there is a storm that's passing through here at Greeley, so if you hear some thunder and lightning, um, you know, that's what's going on here. So be careful as you're driving through those storms in the listening area up here in northern Colorado on 89.7, and we want you to be safe, but uh, just want you to be aware that they are around as uh, you're driving around here in Colorado. So, um Lots of hail. There's somebody sent me a picture of hail in the Eaton area. So I hope you guys are okay up there in Eaton. Let's see. Let's see where I'm at here. Let's go to Ivan in Denver. Hi, Ivan. How you doing? Good. How are hey, you? Pastor Jeff, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. Now I've got a question for you that's bothered me for years. I mean, a long, long time. Okay. Uh, it, it has to deal with. Uh, the Sabbath, which was, uh, okay, um, like in Genesis, when in creation, on the seventh day, God rested. Okay, and then uh, uh, in, in Moses, uh, Moses got the Ten Commandments, and on the t- in the Ten Commandments it says that uh, to uh, observe the Sabbath, honor the Sabbath. And then uh, even Jesus, he observed the Sabbath. And in uh, in Matthew five seventeen, I think, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says that uh, he came. He was here to uh, not to uh, not to get rid of the uh, word, or not to get rid of the, but to uh, to fulfill it. And right. uh, but after that, after he uh, died and, and was ascended into heaven. From what I understand, Peter uh, got permission to change the Sabbath or to worship on the first day, from the seventh day to the first day, and call it the Lord's Day. And from then on, Christians celebrated on the first day and called it the seventh day. So ever since that, ever ever since I can remember, I've asked everybody from different churches and stuff, all kinds of Christians. You know, why do we celebrate on the 7th when it clearly states that we should celebrate on the on the 7th on the day? And so why do we celebrate on the 1st instead of the 7th day when it clearly states? On and, the 7th uh, day, on Saturday is what you're asking. You know, Ivan, we're going to get ready to go to break here pretty soon, but you're asking a good question. And you're asking a question that, you know, some people have wrestled with, uh, some people have had Others come to them and say, why do you Christians worship on the first day of the week? Um, 
And rather than on the Sabbath day, where the Old Testament says that you're to observe the Sabbath and make it holy. So what we're going to do is you're going to hear the music in just a minute, but I want to walk it through with you because people wonder about that. And it is in the Old Testament. This is a covenant that God made with Israel, part of the Ten Commandments as well, that you shall observe the Sabbath, six days you shall work, the seventh day that you will rest, just as I created the heavens and the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. You shall keep the Sabbath and keep it holy. So when we get to the New Testament, uh, we see um, that uh, there is evidence that the Christians began to worship on the first day of the week, that is Sunday. So we're going to come back, Ivan, if you'll just uh, hold on. We'll walk through it. We're going to go to our only break. Uh, So stay tuned to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Biggs. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. This is Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley with you, taking your questions and your prayer requests. So blessed to be with you. So I believe that we got an open line. Be sure to grab one of those open lines. we got plenty of time in the show. Once again, up here in northern Colorado, we do have some severe storms passing through, so be careful, those of you who are driving uh, around in the vicinity of those storms, just be aware. Be careful. We want you to be safe. You can text in a question or a prayer request as well at 720-336-0897. Love to be able to have you text in a question, and that would be a tremendous blessing if we got time we'll go to those text questions and so 720-336-0897 is the text line so we're going to go back um, just real quick before we go back to Ivan Ivan will be right back with you but I do want to remind you that here at Calvary Chapel Greeley we're doing in-person services on Sunday morning and we are uh, doing 8.30, 10.30 we got the backyard open so Plenty of space and open and outside. It's worked very well the last couple months. We are going to continue to do that. We got limited space inside the sanctuary, seating there where you can be comfortable and out of the sun and in the coffee shop as well. So we got plenty of space for you. Come on out and join us. We're doing a study in Matthew's Gospel on Sunday morning. Then on Wednesday night, we're continuing our online service in the book of Jeremiah. You can watch that. Uh, online Sunday morning or Wednesday night at calvarychapelgreeley.org. That's O-R-G or on our Facebook, Calvary Chapel Greeley. So I'd love to have you come join us. And uh, I know that uh, some of you are not ready to come back or uh, you want to be careful, and we understand, and God bless you, but you can still join us. You can join us on our online um, on Sunday morning or in person 8.30 and 10.30, and then Wednesday night online as we're going through the book of Jeremiah. Ivan, are you still with us? Ivan? Yes, sir, I am. Yeah, you know, one of the things is, um, you know, the the question is, the Sabbath, why, I think people ask, why don't Christians observe the Sabbath? And it is an Old Testament command when we go to the New Testament, 
we don't see that the Sabbath is observed by the Christians. Um, there's a couple things. We see that, first of all, that the early church, what happens is I've had people say, well, the church, early church did observe the Sabbath, but then when Constantine declared Christianity the, the official religion of, uh, of Rome, then it was a conspiracy and it changed. What I see in the New Testament, and I think you made reference to this, is that the Christians did begin to meet on Sunday. In Acts chapter 20, when Paul was uh, there in Troas, it says, On the first day of the week, the disciples came together to break bread. So they were meeting on Sunday, the first day of the week. He taught all the way to midnight to the next day where he would leave. We know also that Paul would write to the Corinthian church. He says that this this gift that you are to get ready for the saints in Jerusalem, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I believe, that he says, I'm going to come and get that gift for you, um, from you on the first day of the week. Now, why would Paul do that? The reason that he does that is because um, that's when they met. He says, on the first day of the week, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as many as it may prosper, that there be no collections uh, when I come. So Paul is saying, listen, when you come to church, get the collection ready, and, and then uh, I'll be able to take that collection to the saints. Second Corinthians, he talks about the giving of the example of the giving from the churches up in Macedonia, that is Philippi, Thessalonica, that gave. So there we see the evidence that they met on the first day of the week, in the earliest days of the early church. Those two references. Also, we know that the Lord's Day um, is mentioned in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet. And so some have assumed that the Lord's Day is equivalent um, to the Sabbath. The Sabbath day was instituted by God in the nation of Israel. Um, but you know, as we read this, we know that what the New Testament says is this, that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. So there's evidence that they met on the first day of the week. Why? Because that was the day that Jesus rose from the grave. Paul comes along, and he talks about our Christian liberty in the book of Romans. And he says in the book of Romans that one man esteems one day above another, one man esteems every day alike, you be convinced in your own mind. So what Paul is saying is that you may want to observe the Sabbath, and that's between you and the Lord. Some see every day alike. I happen to be that. I believe any day is a day for the Christians to meet together and worship the Lord. You can have church on Sunday. You can have church on Tuesday. You can have church on Friday. Um, you can have church on the Sabbath. And I tell people, if you want to observe the Sabbath, um, then observe the Sabbath. But we traditionally meet on the first day of the week because that's what the early Christians did in the earliest of the church, because in Acts chapter 2, what do you see, Ivan? You see the birth of the church, right? Right. You see the birth of the church, and they continue steadfastly in apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers— and then it says, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those 
who were being saved. Guess what they were doing, Ivan? They were meeting every day. They were meeting daily, going house to house. God was adding to the church day by day. Paul comes along and he writes to the Colossians, and he says to the Colossian believers, let no one judge you according to New Moon's festivals and Sabbaths, which this is just a shadow of the reality. So Jesus is our Sabbath rest. He is the reality. He came and fulfilled the Sabbath in Christ. We have rest in him. Nowhere in the New Testament are we told as Christians that we are to observe the Sabbath. And another important uh, text is in Acts chapter 15. If you're familiar with that chapter, it was the apostles, Paul and Barnabas and, and the leadership and the guys from Antioch come cruising up to Jerusalem. Uh, they speak with James and Peter and John there, uh, that, and some of the Pharisees were even there. They have what is called the Jerusalem Council. And the big question is, what do we tell these new Gentile Christians? Do we tell them that they have to be circumcised and they have to keep the law of Moses, which would include the Sabbath? And at that time, the church was at a crossroads. Is the church just going to be a sect of Judaism where they have to observe the law? They have to observe the Sabbath? Paul, he had been already ministering. This is after the churches were established in Galatia, where the Judaizers were coming in behind Paul and saying, hey, you have to be circumcised, and you have to keep the the law of Moses. That's all fine that you believe in Jesus, you have faith in him, but it's more than that. You have to be cut. You have to be circumcised. Paul says that you observe days and and weeks and and months and new moons and all this, he says that I worry for you. Why do you want to go back to the weak and beggarly elements? So Paul begins to say it's faith alone in Jesus Christ. So they have this this Jerusalem council, and the conclusion that they have, and, and it's a good chapter for you to read, is this is what we're going to tell these new Christians. We're going to tell these new Christians that, that you know, um, that this is the decree by the Holy Spirit that we tell them that you um, are to be one, that you uh, abstain from things, offer to idols, from blood, um, from sexual immorality, because the Gentiles were coming out of paganism, and that was a big problem. Uh, And if you keep these things for yourselves, you do well, is what they said. So this is what you do. Abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, things strangled, and from sexual immorality. Nothing about the Sabbath. If the Sabbath was so important, then why didn't they mention it? And there are those who will come come along and say, well, you don't observe the Sabbath, so you're going to take the mark of the beast, or you're not really a Christian, you're not saved. And it's faith alone in Christ, and it is faith alone in Him who is our Sabbath rest, and I happen to be one that I esteem every day alike, and I am going to worship you know, on any day. Um, and if somebody wants to observe the Sabbath, they can observe the Sabbath, but not to bring judgment on others. And that is the commandment of the New Testament. Does that help? Yeah, it sure does. But I got a, a quick question for you then. Well, mm-hmm. in, in the Old Testament, when, uh, he got, when Moses got the uh, Ten Commandments, and that makes them irrelevant then now if, it makes them like a buffet. You get to pick and choose what you want. Like the, I That's, think it's the second commandment. 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't believe the, the Catholics have that anymore, where it's worshiping false uh, idols. Uh, right. I don't believe they, they use that in their Ten Commandments anymore. So you just kind of like a buffet, pick and choose what you want. Uh, so they're just kind of irrelevant anymore. Well, as you go through the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord emphasizes that that the Sabbath was a perpetual covenant that he made with Israel. That's what he made with Israel. So the Sabbath was the observance of Israel, God's people, that was part of the you know service of of God, you know, also in the law was the sacrifices. Do we do sacrifices anymore? No, we don't do sacrifices anymore. That's a covenant that he had made. And so the book of Hebrews comes along and again makes that that um, that argument that Jesus is superior uh, in every way and he is superior in the sacrifice that he gave, worships in his, you know, uh, you know, his sacrifice was to take sin away once and for all. So that was a covenant that God made with Israel, a perpetual covenant with them to observe the Sabbath, and it's not for the church. And so the church is to understand that Jesus fulfills the Sabbath. He is our Sabbath rest. So there's something worth, yeah, take a look at that, and I think that there'll be clarity. Because, you know, when I first became a pastor, there were those who come along and try to beat me up, and why don't you, you know, observe the Sabbath? And it's like, you know, looking at this, you know, he is our Sabbath rest. And that's what Paul writes about, that that we have the reality, that is Jesus. The, the Sabbath was just a shadow. The feast and festivals and the sacrifices, they all point to Jesus. They all speak of Jesus. They're all fulfilled by Jesus. And that's where he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. So good question, Ivan. Good discussion. Appreciate it. Get a quick prayer request. Uh, yeah, my fa- my family um, and me, and all my brothers and sisters in the world, I guess, um, they they believe that just because you know they they're Christians, they say they're Christians, and they believe they're they're uh, in Christ, they don't act like it. And I mm-hmm. just want to you know have, pray for them that you know that maybe that they can you know realize that. That, that maybe they should have more belief in them than they do. So your prayer requests, again, just I want it to be clear that those who say they're Christians don't act like Christians. What's your prayer request? Right, and yeah, that they, they believe that they're going to go to heaven just because they say they're Christians. Okay, okay. So, Father, we do ask for those who would, you know, being a Christian is having faith in Jesus Christ and and really coming, understanding the need to be forgiven and that you are Lord and the work that you did on the cross, you rose from the grave. And so, Lord, I just pray that uh, there would be, if anyone is listening that perhaps thinks they're a Christian because they're a good person, that doesn't make us a Christian, or perhaps because they go to church and listen to Bible study, uh, that doesn't make them a Christian, or maybe because they think their parents are a Christian, that they're a Christian. Lord, we know it's the individual decision coming in faith to you. So, Lord, we want to give the gospel clearly. We want to tell people that Jesus desires for them to come to him, to repent, to turn to him, and call out to him for forgiveness and to sit upon the throne of their hearts. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Thanks, Amen. Ivan. God bless. God bless you. You too. Appreciate your call. You know, one of the things is sometimes we talk to people that they think they're a Christian because their parents are a Christian. You know, the saying, God doesn't have grand, you know, children. Um, he has sons and daughters. And uh, you can't be a Christian just because your parents are a Christian. One of the reasons that I give an altar call at the services is because I don't want anybody to think because, you know, they came to a Bible study that they're saved. And so uh, we want to uh, make sure that people understand it is coming. There's repentance. It is coming to the Lord and calling out to him in, in faith. It is faith that saves us. Faith alone in Jesus Christ, making a decision for him. Hey, we got some open lines, 303-690-3000 is the number. We got a text line that's available. We might be able to get to some of those text prayer requests and questions, 720-336-0897. Love for you to be able to text in, but I know that, um, let's see, look at my call list here and we have after ivan tim in aurora hi tim hi Pastor. you still there hi, hey thanks Jeff. for yeah i'm here thanks for holding tim of course uh thanks for taking my call i appreciate it i uh i listen to you quite often and i appreciate the way that you get the lord across and uh it really uh touches my heart when you talk uh because it's with the lord and I just had a question for you. So I have a friend who claims to be saved. Now, I don't know this to be a fact because it's just his words. Um, but he has um, told me, and he's told a couple other people, um, that he is possessed by the devil. And now okay. I'm wondering, is this? First of all, is this even a possibility for a Christian to be possessed by the devil, somebody that's saved? And second of all, if it is a possibility, what would what would the next step be? Because um, a few of us from the church have visited him last weekend, and we we've said prayers. We went over there a few separate times to pray over him. And it seems like uh, it's it's just progressing through. And I don't know. I'm I'm kind of looking yeah. for some yeah. maturity on the subject. You know, Tim, um, did does he say he's a Christian and he's demon possessed? Is that what you're saying? So he's not not only saying that he's a Christian and he's saved. He's not saying that he's demon possessed. He's saying that he's possessed directly by the devil and that he's telling him that he's the antichrist. Oh, oh, okay. Well, here's a couple things here. When it comes to sometimes Christians, they ask, you know, can a Christian be demon possessed? The answer simply is no. Um, you can go to Romans chapter eight when Paul's talking about, again, um, about that whole doctrine of, of sanctification. He says, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But if you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So as believers, when we come to Jesus and ask him into our hearts, 
Christ dwells in our hearts. The Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts. So, you know, that's why we're called the light of the world. Jesus said, you be the light of the world. You, you are lights. Let your light shine. And so a container is either dark or it's light, right? Um, Tim, when you go into a, a dark basement, what do you do? Turn the light on. Turn the light on, right. So that dispels the darkness. And yep. so a Christian has the light of the world, Jesus Christ, in them, the Holy Spirit. A demon can't possess it. It, it, it. You know, light and darkness can't dwell together. We also know that it is Paul that says that we have uh, been sealed, as he talks about the spiritual blessings that we have in the book of Ephesians. He takes us to the heavenlies. And he says, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise and glory. Second Corinthians, he writes twice about how we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. That word seal is a very important word because it's a very strong word. When you go to Revelation chapter uh, 20, when Satan is thrown into the bottomless pit, or it's at the end of chapter 19, after the second coming of Jesus Christ, we know that an angel comes, bounds Satan up, and throws him into the bottomless pit for a thousand years, right? Yeah. And and that is chapter 20. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should not deceive the nations anymore. So that means he ain't getting out. That is like permanent. It's sealed. He's not going to get out until the Lord allows it at the end of the 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 millennium. So I don't believe that a Christian can be demon-possessed. Now, he's coming along, and he's saying that I'm a Christian, but I'm also being told that I'm the Antichrist. So I would really, there's, there's some other things that are going on there, Tim, and um, there's something mentally that's going on uh, that has taken place um, to, you know, where he's hearing voices. You know, Satan is not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. He's a spirit being. He's real. Uh, we talk about how Satan harasses us, but he has his, you know, um, forces there, the demonic forces, principalities and powers, what Paul writes about, Ephesians chapter 6. Spiritual warfare is very real. He, he loves to throw the fiery darts at us. He, he comes against us. He's a liar. He's the accuser of the brethren. Uh, but you know, he he has, we don't fight against princip, uh, flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. So he has a co-host of demonic spirits and hosts and an order and rank of them that, you know, we have, I believe Daniel shows us demons over nations. Demon possession is real. It is real. We see that in the Gospels. Matter of fact, uh, what we're going to see, Tim, on Sunday is we're going to see the story of uh, the demoniacs in the Gadarenes. Somehow they open themselves open to these demons, you know, coming into them. So demon possession is real. And what is interesting too, Tim, just a little tidbit, is when Matthew records that story of the two demoniacs, that they were exceedingly fierce, 
that word fears in the Greek is used only one other time, and that's where Paul uses it. He borrows that word from Matthew in Second Timothy chapter 3 when he says that in the last days it will be perilous times. Same word. It will be fierce times. So I think what Paul is telling us is that there is going to be demonic activity that is going on. But a Christian cannot be demon-possessed, and, and something else is going on. Um, and, you know, if he thinks Satan personally is, is possessing him, Satan can because he came into Judas. But you might want to really pray about that and seek some help for him. I, I'm not saying there isn't any demonic activity that's going on, but, you know, a Christian, I, all I can say is this, is that a Christian will not and cannot be demon-possessed. A Christian will be harassed, be oppressed. He still comes against us. Spiritual warfare is still very real. But for a demon to possess a Christian, um, I don't see it in Scripture. Okay, and that that was my understanding, and that this is what I told him. But it sounds to me like in the past he's um, kind of opened up this in a way by dabbling in certain areas that could be like mm-hmm. what the your caller a couple calls ago was talking about about um you know like a medium type thing or stuff like right. that to that degree does that open up doors for this kind of stuff to happen as well I think it can because as you know as preparing for the teaching that those two demoniacs were over in that area of the Gadarenes and it was a mixture of Jew and Gentiles. It was a mixture of different beliefs, Roman and Greek, you know, gods that were worshipped. Uh, and somehow these two guys opened themselves up to the demonic realm. And so that, you know, happened somehow to where all these demons, I don't understand it, but th- they were possessed by demons. But here's the thing. He says, well, Satan possesses me. And sometimes those who are, you know, into demonology or those things, they they say, well, I asked a demon his name, and he said this is the name, and they go to that text. Remember Jesus said, what is your name? And the answer was legion, which means many. I don't think Jesus was asking the demons their name. He's asking the individual his name. What is your name? Because Jesus cared about that individual. What is your name? You got a name. You were given a name. And then the demons, you know, personalities pushed forward and said legion. So I don't think that supports that, you know, we asked what their name. So um, I don't know what's going on. You know, how much is demonic, how much is mental uh, and all that. But pray, pray for wisdom. And, um, and you know, I can just tell you what the scripture says about all those things, what I've studied. Okay. Would you mind praying for him? Absolutely. I'd love to pray for him. And Father, I do pray for Tim's friend and um, claims to be saved, but he also claims he's possessed by Satan. And so, Lord, you know exactly what's going on. You care about him. And Lord, even as those, I think about that story, the demoniacs, they were being tormented. No one could tame them. They were isolated. But yet, here they were, these two individuals standing before the Son of God. And and you're the one that freed them. And we have the message of emancipation, of, of freedom, that, that you are the one that frees us from, 
from darkness, from from demonic activity, from the world. I pray that you would do that work, that somehow this friend of Tim would have his eyes opened, and Lord, that whatever is going on, that you would bring healing, restoration, freedom from any demonic activity, um, from the bondage that Satan desires to put us into. Um, Lord, I pray that you would just, even as that man, when the demons went out, um, in that story of Matthew chapter 8, that we know that he was calm and in his right mind. And I pray that you would do that work in Tim's friend. I pray you give the, the, him and the others that are ministering to him wisdom and insight and the word to give to him. And, and Lord, I just pray that light would storm his heart in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. I really appreciate it. You bet. God bless you. I'll be praying for you as you minister to him. Thank you, sir. You are welcome. You know, I think about Satan. The last days will be perilous times. Listen, he's working overtime. Don't open yourself up to demonic activity of any sort, to the world. And where we need to be is at the feet of Jesus. And that's where that man was after he was freed. You've been freed. You've been freed. You belong to him. So stay at his feet, all right? Stay at his feet. Allow him to minister to you. You are free, and those who know the Son are indeed free, is what the Bible says. Hey, God bless you. We had a great show today. Appreciate all the calls and uh, the conversations. Uh, Be careful out there with these storms passing through. We'll be with you next time. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.